Christmas. How's everybody doing? Good. Great to see you guys. Hey, if you have your Bible, uh, Luke 2 is where we're going to be. Luke 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 21 to, to get kicked off tonight uh, and walk through the very story, the account uh, of Christmas. Luke 2, verses 1 through 21 says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Look, um, it's important to read this story and to read all of this story and to read these these 21 verses because more than just the idea of shepherds uh, in fields tending their flocks by night, you know that, but there are other elements to this story. Why would we say that Caesar Augustus uh, sends out this decree and we remind people that people were being asked to be registered, that there was this census of sorts taking place? Why would, we, why would Luke, as the author, uh, desire to say that this is when Quirinius was governor of Syria? And describe this registration and describe the path of people walking towards this. Mary and Joseph, Mary bearing Jesus, carrying Jesus at this moment. Why would he bother to say this? Because these were real events. These were real people. This is not a, a story conjured up. This is history. And the epicenter, the birth of the Savior who saves the world. That's why we read the whole thing. And one of the things that we find when we read this entire account is we find the picture of, the culmination of, the promise being fulfilled of that which was waited for. You think about the journey that Mary and Joseph entailed. And their journey is is quite brief, frankly, relative to all who have waited for this Messiah to come before. There's this deep long period of waiting 
And the promise is fulfilled, the waiting in so many ways ends as Jesus is born. But let's think about you and me for a minute. What are we waiting for for tomorrow? What are we waiting for for tomorrow? All right, and what do you get on Christmas? More specifically, presents, right? Right? Mallory, you got an answer? Jesus' birthday, right? And look, in a modern context, one of the ways that we celebrate this is we get presents, right? Don't, don't act like you're so holy that you don't do the presents. I know you. I know you. Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I really love this about Christmas. Um, those presents, those things that, that, that are anticipated for tomorrow... There's, like, there's really deep waiting. Like, we don't really wait anymore for most things. We just don't wait for stuff. Like, Millie and I were watching TV the other night, and I made the mistake of watching live TV with Millie. She just did not get it at all. We're watching commercials, and she's like, where's the skip ad button? Where's the button to skip the ad? I don't understand. She genuinely, she's so frustrated. She's like, why do we have to watch this? And I try to tell her about, you know, the, the good old days when dad, uh, dad kind of had to watch commercials, right? She just didn't take. She didn't get it. Christmas is awesome because even that little thing that has the world at her fingertips, she has to wait. She has to like really wait. Wait like we did when we were young. Wait like you did when you were young. Wait in such a way that you're waiting, not just like, you know, glancing at the clock, but staring at it, right? Watching, like, you remember that clock in school where the second hand would just kind of roll continuously? Just watching the clock, almost as if you're watching grass grow or watching water in a pot boil. Just this intense waiting. You can't wait, but you're forced to. You have to wait. There's something really, really beautiful about waiting, and, and we wait all the time. Remember, we started this series the first week. We talked about hope and that hope is really, is really this, this place that, that is birthed in waiting. That Bonhoeffer w- would say that, that all of the Christian life is Advent. All of life is waiting. And we experience it in myriad ways. Like this week, we all waited for stuff. Some of us waited at the doctor's office. All of us probably waited in traffic. Some of us waited to get into the summit. All of us felt like even if we didn't go, we were waiting to get out of the summit, right? We we all clicked buttons this past month, and then we stood and stared at our phone. And even though we know it's going to be two days before it gets there, we're like, why is it not here yet, right? After you make that Amazon purchase. And then some of us had the unfortunate... uh, unfortunate life uh, choice of saying, hey, we're going to buy this thing. Somebody will ship it to us. Turns out it's FedEx. It lives in Bessemer now. And that's where, so some of you are driving to Bessemer for Christmas uh, tomorrow, right? Or, or it got stuck with one of those guys that just threw it in the ditch because they're just mad at everybody. Um, look, we, we've, all, we've all waited on stuff in this past week. We've all taken part in waiting. And some of you are waiting on bigger stuff. Some of you are waiting to hear that piece of good news that you're looking for. Some of you are waiting to hear about the job. Some of you are waiting for, genuinely, your child to be born. There are real, deep, heavy things that we wait for. Look, 
little stuff, big stuff. All of life is bound up in waiting. And the beauty of Christmas is that we get to see the realization of, the picture of, we remember the promise fulfilled and that waiting came to an end. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. It leads right into Galatians chapter 4 uh, through 5. Paul writes to the church of Galatia, says this, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he's the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There's some incredible things in this passage, in this moment. One, we've got incarnational history and beauty and majesty here in this. that the, At the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus. Born of a virgin, born of Mary, born of woman, born under the law in order to redeem us from the law that revealed our sin, our brokenness, our wickedness, our rebellion. And in Christ, we are given new life, new life. We're children of Abraham's promise. That's the the fun thing about Advent is that we get to step into the shoes of people who waited before us. Abraham waiting for the birth of a child that that would reveal, that would indicate, that would prove that God's promise was true, that he would be the heir to all of these people, to these nations. You step back and you look at Joseph, one who waited. He waited in imprisonment. Longing to be delivered, longing to be redeemed, to reunite family. Moses, who waited for an exodus to to be able to be free, to lead God's people to a place where they were in bondage to the Egyptians no more. David, who waited, he's told he's going to be king, and he waits 15 years to see that promise come to fruition. And then Isaiah, who would write with, with this prophecy, with this beauty of the future in mind, 700 years before Jesus would come, he would write and say, for unto us a child is born. There's this son that is given. He's going to have authority and rule. He'll be known as wonderful, counselor, as prince of peace, as mighty God. Advent has been incredible because over the past four weeks as a church family, we've had the opportunity to step back in remembrance and wait for the coming of Jesus. But here's the reality. You and I today, we wait for Jesus' return. We wait for his return. That's active waiting. That's hope that we're supposed to take part in, that we get to take part in. But in so many ways, tonight and tomorrow is about the culmination of the promise to the degree that we don't have to wait anymore. The promise is fulfilled. 
God has come to us. When we were weak, when we thirsted, when we were fearful, when we were lost, God came to us in Jesus. That's what we celebrate. And in one real sense, the waiting is over. Now you and I take part in, we relish in, we behold the one who has come to us as present reality. That God has come to reconcile us to himself in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And that happened at that moment of birth. That's the beginning. Think about this. God with no beginning and end, who's always been and always will be, takes this moment of time, that thing that is so finite, and he steps into it. Out of glory into our brokenness, taking upon himself flesh. Flesh that is yours and mine. So that we could be reconciled to God. That is gospel good news. And we don't have to wait to celebrate that. We celebrate that now. So we're going to actively do that in this moment. And this is what it's going to look like. We're going to come to the table. Um, We're going to celebrate communion together. If you've been at Double Oak for any amount of time, you know how this goes. Uh, we, We stand together and we come to the table. So as our worship team comes and... Those folks that are serving communion come. This is, this is what this looks like. Um, you stand up and you come and you receive elements at the table. We love to do this. Uh, I think it's really, really beautiful because there's this opportunity to participate in worship. To stand up, to be a part of this moment, to come and partake of the body and blood. To come and take these elements. And to do it in such a way where it's messy and weird Anybody ever have like a clean, easy, smooth Christmas dinner? No? All right. Preston Marbury says, no, not at you guys' house. All right? Look, some of you didn't respond, and I'm like, I want to come to dinner with you tomorrow. All right? It's wild. It's crazy. It's nuts. And so will this moment be. There'll be little ones that are running around and pulling pants legs and being crazy, and that is okay. Um, We're people. Uh, and every meal I've ever been to, you weren't like silent and didn't talk, right? Anybody not talk at dinner at your house? Because I kind of also want to come to that meal too. We talk, we talk a lot at our house during dinner. Um, but look, so this will be what it's going to be. We, we want you to stand up and come to the table when we invite you. But before we do, I want to just genuinely share this with you. Um, What we're doing in this moment is not, this is not like a church thing. This is definitely not just a Christmas thing. Um, This is an ordinance that that we participate in obediently because Jesus calls us to. He tells his disciples on the night he's betrayed, on the eve of his crucifixion, he tells them, this bread is my body broken for you. Every time you eat, do so, take it in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he he gives them the cup and he tells them that this is the new covenant, his blood poured out 
shed for forgiveness, the remission of sins, and to drink as often as they do in remembrance of him. Jesus has commanded those who have trusted in him, those who believe in him wholeheartedly, to take this meal. I want to be very, very um, just genuine with you. If that's not you, if you do not know Jesus, if you've not trusted in Jesus, uh, if you have not believed in him, I would ask you to refrain from taking this. Um, Because this isn't a little thing, this is a big thing. It's a moment where we confess and we actually proclaim that we have union with God through Christ, his body broken, his blood shed. And so here, here, here would be kind of my instruction. And there are a number of you that will come, and, and you're believers and your children. Uh, you got, you got maybe, maybe children who are not. That's okay. Come, come. And maybe just don't, don't, those who aren't believers don't partake. But so come to the table. Um, and look, I would, I would just say this. Um, we, don't, we don't gather together and celebrate Christmas because it's just what we do. We believe with everything that we are that in the fullness of time, Jesus came. He came to us. God came to us. We could not go to him, and so he came to us in Jesus. And we remember that in this meal. Uh, I'm excited to take it with you and to celebrate with you. Uh, Let's take a moment to pray together, and then I would invite you uh, to come. Heavenly Father, As we come to this moment, to this time, to this table, we recognize that your son Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that many is us. Father, it is at Christmas that we see a child given, born to us. that we might become the righteousness of God. God, would you bless this time? Would you bless this meal? May we take it in remembrance of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You come to the table as you're ready.